Previously on AMSA AdLib, we heard about the potential of medical students to drive the development and implementation of technology in and outside of the classroom. Dr. Warren Weekman is Associate Dean for Instructional Technologies at the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. While speaking at the American Medical Student Association's 2015 convention, he explained how students at his school have made novel use of technology as part of their training. When I just talk about this whole idea of engagement and empowerment and looking at how technology is actually going to do that for us in your education. In this episode of AMSA AdLib, we bring you some of Dr. Weekman's comments on how students have been working those ideas into patients' lives. So kind of the next iteration of this is what a lot of our students and residents are doing is this whole idea of engaging with patients. Um, they start creating content. Right, these are public service videos. This one's for you know, putting up Halloween decorations, or sorry, holiday decorations. I'm an ER doc, I see a bunch of people that go up on ladders, and some of them come down, not the right way. <laughs> and so, you know, little things like, you know, don't drink and put up holiday de decorations, for me would save me a whole bunch of time in the ER if I told people that. And so we created all these videos. And these are, again, student and resident-run projects that focus on education using the technology. Okay, Our students are going abroad, so it's not just what we do at home, it's what they do abroad. And so this started with a student who's now a resident in family medicine. He said, what if I take my iPad with me to Vietnam? I'm going there for the summer. What if I did some teaching there with my iPad? What would happen? So he went out to a couple of rural clinics and was using his iPad to teach about ultrasound and teach about cardiology to some physicians and volunteer workers. This kind of grew into a much bigger program that we put together called IMED-Ed International, where each year we send 30 students abroad for the summer between the first and second year. And they do all sorts of things from ultrasound to technology teaching, but all of it involves them going somewhere else, far away, for the whole summer. That involves leveraging the, leveraging the technology and helping them help other people, which is a cool idea. So this is them in Panama with a group called Floating Doctors. Um, and they're literally on a boat in Panama the majority of the time. They stop by village to village, um, teaching and reinforcing skills about uh, first trimester and third trimester ultrasound screening. And these are first year students that are doing this. Um, and they're using technology like the iPad to do it. You know, this is them on the boat, you know, taking the content, reviewing the content beforehand. But just think about it, you couldn't do that if you had to bring that 33 pounds of books with you, right? You couldn't do that. And so a lot of this is really thinking about what you can do with the technology because of its portability. And so this kind of goes to almost my little soapbox moment here. We're talking about technology and this whole idea of literacy. You know, it's kind of, you kind of sum it up this way, right? All of us are pretty comfortable using technology as an individual, right? Many of you probably got up this morning because of the alarm on your phone. Um, I can't even figure out how to use the alarm in the hotel room anymore. I have to use my phone because I can't wake up any other way. Right, but I want you to think about, you're good at what you do right now. You're good at Facebook, you're good at Twitter as an individual, right? But how do you do that as a professional? And there's a big difference between being an individual using your technology and being a professional. It's very different. You know, if you're gonna show someone your iPad to walk through a patient exercise, right? What if your wallpaper is like you on spring break doing a keg stand? Probably leaves, you know, a, like a weird message. Or like, what if you're going to show them a patient education app, and right next to the patient education app is Angry Birds, and so, or Facebook on the other side. And so when they look at it from patient side, they're like, well, three of the apps on their homepage, 
Um, only one of them is medical. Like, what else are they doing? Maybe they're not reading their iPad to prep for my encounter. Maybe they're playing Angry Birds, which, you know, maybe you are. <laughs> so um, that's okay. But again, it's this whole idea that you, being good at technology as a person is not the same as being good as, at technology as a physician. And so we have to think about that differently. And so, you know, when you think about technology and healthcare and education, all the, the three things that I get really excited about, you know, technology is way, way advanced than what we're used to in, tech, in healthcare. And, you know, education is a little bit better, but the whole growth curves are different. And the interesting part about this is because this technology is focused not at physicians, but at the patients, right? And so we kind of are going, coming into this with a very unfair advantage because our patients know way much more about technology than we do, right? These are all things you can go to like Walgreens or Target and buy for maybe about 200 bucks or less. But think about it. Blood pressure, weight, maybe an AccuCheck or finger stick glucose, that's pretty much the same diagnostic capability that you get in your clinic. And this patient can buy that at home and use it all the time. So your patients are gonna be coming to you with more data than you can give them in your clinic, which is crazy. So just think about that. Right now, we can all leave here and go to Target and buy all this stuff and start our own little clinic, which is kind of cool if you think about it that way. You can start your own little clinic with this in a backpack. You can really take all these tools, throw them in a backpack, find an ultrasound machine that's small, throw it in a backpack. You can travel around the world without a bus. You just have your clinic right here. And these are all tools that are aimed at patients, not physicians, right? And so what else is out there, right? So it's like, wow, if they can do this, what else can they do? So a couple other cool things that are out there. I mean, everyone knows about the watch that's coming out eventually with all this tracking. So who knows what's gonna happen with the watch. But on your phone, right, there's a health app that tracks all this stuff. So again, we're talking about tons and tons of data that your patients are now collecting about themselves that puts you at a disadvantage. And no one, at least as far as I know, in medical school is teaching you what to do about that. So look at this. So these are a couple things that are more up our alley but are still designed for patients. Um, how many of you are like super awesome at using an ophthalmoscope? <laughs> right, one person. Let's talk afterwards so you can teach me, right? <laughs> you know, I, I graduated residency in, uh, gosh, 2009, and I still suck at direct ophthalmoscopy. And a lot of the time it's like, hey, Warren, did you see the cool cupping of that optic disc? I'm like, uh, yeah, I totally did. <laughs> like, great. But imagine now if you had a tool like this. This is a, it's a $70 attachment that goes onto your ophthalmoscope that allows you to actually take a picture of it. So imagine if your ophthalmologist snaps photos of all the stuff that you're supposed to see and you can see it, or conversely, you go in there and snap photos yourself and see if it matches up what you're supposed to see. The one on the right here, or sorry, your left, it's called Cellscope Odo. It's about $100. And this one's designed by pediatricians for patients. So this is the, the concept of your kid has a fever, they're tugging at their ear, you slap this otoscope in their ear, snap a photo of their TM, text it to your doctor, they say, normal, not normal. If it's not normal, call an antibiotics, skip the whole primary care visit, right? Which is a crazy idea, but if you think about it, what are you doing in that visit? You're looking in their ear, deciding is it inflamed, is it not inflamed, do they need antibiotics? They don't have to come in there to do that. And so that is being sold to patients directly, not to you. And then there's this. Have you guys heard about this one, the LiveCore EKG case? It's a phone case that is, again, a couple hundred bucks 
It's awesome, it's a single lead EKG, but for patients with arrhythmias and other things like, wow, I'm feeling palpitations, hold, you know, turn it on, you figure out what your rhythm is, you can text it to your doctor, you can pay a monthly service fee to actually get it read by a physician remotely. And this is all patient-centered stuff. Actually, LiveCore is FDA approved now, but this is all given to patients. So what if you're in practice, imagine yourself, future you, right, a couple years from now, in practice and patients come in with photos of their TMs or their own EKGs or the back of their eye, what are you gonna do with that? It's kind of crazy, right? And then there's, you know, there's even more and more cool stuff. Have you guys heard about this one called Scanadu? Um, this is pretty much ICU level monitor in this size right here. It looks like a little hockey puck. Um, and what it can do is give you blood pressure, heart rate, temperature, pulse ox. Uh, I was gonna demonstrate it live, but being on stage, my blood pressure would probably be super high, <laughs> and my heart rate would be high, and the two lattes earlier probably wouldn't reflect very well. So we'll do that afterwards. But you know, imagine that. You can get, with this little device, almost ICU-level vitals that are accurate. And so again, going this whole idea of a clinic and a backpack, take this with you, and you're like halfway done, right? And so it's a cool thing. So this is still, they're still doing trials on this right now, but it's like $130, right? So imagine that, you can really kick out your own clinic. Um, of course, now there's companies doing one more. In Australia, where asthma's super bad, it's the same kind of thing on a phone case, but there's a spirometer in there that goes onto your phone, and they can track that. So think about all this cool stuff that's going on out there, and many of you, this is the first time you've heard about it. And that's kind of the problem, right? You guys are gonna be physicians in less than a couple of years, and your patients know more about what's out there than you do, and that's the problem. So what about these kind of things? These are also consumer devices, but think about what you could use this for in a medical space. This is called the Myo armband, that it's pretty much an EMG controlled thing that allows you to do arm gestures and hand gestures. I mean, you could play video games and stuff with it, but imagine if you're in the OR and you want to control like a PAC system for imaging. Um, imagine what you could do with sort of like a wireless device like that, or you could just play with toys again too, but think about that. There's probably applications of this that we haven't even thought of that are out there that we could figure out what to do with these kind of devices, right? There's this one. You guys might have heard of this Microsoft HoloLens that's coming out. There's also like Oculus Rift. So pretty much what it does, it's virtual reality or augmented reality and allows you to make these kind of holographic 3D images that you can actually interact with, right? So this is a video of what this person is seeing right now. And you'll see like another clip here. You know, from an outsider, she's just kind of holding her hand up in the air. But imagine doing like virtual dissections like that. Imagine being able to do remote kind of teaching or prepping for a case by doing a big virtual dissection like that. Um, and again, this is something that's not even out yet, but people are out there trying to think of ways we can use this in healthcare. And many of us haven't even heard about these kind of things. And then finally, 3D printing, right? Think about this. Kids with congenital malformations, you can print for under $100 prosthetic limbs. So as they grow, and every year they need a new size prosthetic, you can make that for them in your clinic. You know? And so they don't have to get $10,000 prosthetics. You buy a $5,000 MakerBot. You buy all the stuff you need. And for a couple hundred bucks, you can make these things. Now this is a group called RoboHand, who's paired up with MakerBot. And all the stuff, these blueprints are online for free. There's a whole community out there of these free blueprints, and people are making their own hands and modifying them. But imagine that if we in medicine got involved in this. Right now, we're not involved in this at all. But look at that potential, what you could do to impact a child's life if you learn a little bit about 3D printing, right? Pretty cool, huh? 
All right, so how do you find out about all this stuff, right? There's a ton of stuff that's out there and it's hard. So one of the things we've done at UCI, um, it's a shameless plug for us, we're looking for more students to help out with this, is helping us curate all this information, finding out what's cool and what's out there, and kind of putting this together in a site called Health Edit. And really what this does is allows you guys it gives you a framework for finding new information that's out there for, for health and sharing it amongst yourselves. So our students are doing this, and that's how we kind of stay up to date at UCI with what's out there. Um, and we have contributors right now from five different schools that are helping us do this. We're always looking for more. Um, we have a course in digital literacy. And I wish I could say this is completely my idea, but our students said, Warren, how do we learn more about this? So we made a course. We kind of got together and made this whole idea of a course. It's online, it's open, it's for free. We're gonna start it again in the next couple months, so go check out the website. We want you guys to join in. And this is something that's very easy to replicate at your institutions. It doesn't need to be taught by faculty. It just needs to be taught by someone like you that has an interest to talk about this with other students. And that's the key thing. You don't really need the expertise of someone like me. You just need to have kind of the idea and the passion to do it, as Dr. Murphy said yesterday. And little things like this. Our students helped us put together this mobile technology etiquette checklist. This is all things that our students are doing to make us use technology more appropriately at the bedside. And so um, there's a link up there for that as well. And so all of this really goes back to this idea of how do we get rid of that 38%? How do we get rid of that 38% of people that are using technology, whether it's the web or tools, and thinking they don't need us. How do we make ourselves valuable again? And it's getting to know more about the technology. It's really becoming that person that you can channel the information through, right? You need to be a curator as a physician of the information that's out there for your patients. And if you don't have a framework at your institution to do that, it's very easy to start learning on your own. So just think about it. All the ways that we teach you how to do evidence-based medicine and look critically at the literature, Apply that to the web, right? Is Google really the best source for health information? You know, about 70% of the time when people go online, the first place they go to is Google. About 13% of the time, they go to like Medscape or WebMD. So what if you as a physician just said, I'm gonna be your physician for the practice. I'm gonna give you guys the right information or the right resources that are kind of vetted and cleared by me. And that's a huge step to make patients more understanding, and that's a huge step also to opening that dialogue that it's okay to use technology and that we're not like in a Norman Rockwell painting, that we're kind of, we're right there with you, okay? So if you don't have role models at your institution, if you don't have people that are doing amazing things with technology, here's a short list of them. Some of these are med students. Um, the biopsy on the second row, he's a student at OHSU, super awesome. There's a mall in the bottom right, also super awesome. Um, I'll make sure I tweet out all these names to everyone for later so you guys can have them, but you don't need to think about just your institution to find guidance and find role models. Look elsewhere um, if you can't find it in your own shop, or just amongst yourselves really put this all together. And so, again, as Dr. Murthy said yesterday, you know, you're never too young or too old to make a difference in the world. Um, it really comes down to this idea of, you know, all that matters is a desire to try. Uh, before I took the position at UCI, it never existed. There was never an associate dean of technology at our school. Um, and being, you know, right now six years out of residency and an associate dean is kind of unheard of. And it's crazy that this happened. But I had a passion to do this. And I said, you know, the technology part's cool, but the most important part is that you guys aren't aware of what's out there and we need to change that. It's kind of our responsibility as educators to really make you prepared for like modern medicine, not like 1982 medicine, but like modern medicine. And this is my little attempt to make that happen.
Kamsa AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. This episode was edited by Pete Thompson with help from Christine Camizio and Rachel Glassford. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer. Let us know how technology has impacted your training. Email us at adlib at amsa.org or even record your story for us using your iPhone's voice memos app or an app like Easy Voice Recorder on Android. Email the recording to adlib at amsa.org. That's A-D-L-I-B at A-M-S-A dot O-R-G. Thank you for listening. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer. Let us know how technology has imparted... I'm so sorry. Um, I thought I just said the word lettuce, like that you eat. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Okay, let me run that once more. Oh, gosh.